0: Two.
1: Say that podcaster, your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. The
2: president of Mission USA.
1: Also joining us, Jed Brewer, Director of Mission USA Productions. Greetings. So joining us all the way up to Tennessee, one of the pastors from Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Hey there, folks. Well, I think we're uh we're back, we're ready. Yeah. Uh you know, about excited for this. Labor Day holiday? Shall we just get into it, gentlemen? I think we should get right to
2: the (laughs) (laughs) wisdom. I like to get right down to business. Let's just do this thing. First question comes in and on. Wait a second, there's an emergency!
1: (laughs) Who'd have thunk?
2: Well, that is a surprise. I declare a state of emergency. Now, uh... I think
1: state of emergency makes it sound a little official for my taste.
2: Well, okay. Here's what, uh... Here's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a lot of theological concerns that people have out there. Okay. It would
1: be if you let me read the question.
2: Here's what's going on. We have a, a follower. She's a super fan. Ooh. Okay. Uh, her name is Jenny Catherine. Okay. Uh, she's on. She's on the Tumblr. Okay. And uh, here's what she writes, and I I think it 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 deserves a full scrutiny. Here's what she says. My sister doesn't believe me. That if I say, bless you, right at the synchronized moment she sneezes, it counts double. Okay. I'm just saying it is a thing. And even though it's a thing I made up, it should go viral. The blessings counting as double blessings should go viral, not the sneezing or the cause of the sneezing. Just to be clear, I'm not in favor of people being sick. Okay, that's because, important. So
1: we're not in some kind of um, Walking Dead zombie virus thing.
2: Yeah. Uh, so this is what we're working with. It's a theological question that 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 could just split everything right down the middle.
1: Now, Glenn, are you more interested in this idea of the double blessing, or do you just like the idea of people things made up things that people made up out of whole cloth getting to go viral?
2: Well, there's that.
1: 'cause you're working a number of angles on that front,
2: yeah, uh I'm always in fact, I think anything that i say i if you i think it should be viral, sure, uh, so there's that, but yes i I think here's the thing is if you can time it right right for the exact moment, Because right. sometimes you can see it coming, sure, you know you look at somebody and they're going eh ah, oh. Hey. <laughs> They're kind of telegraphing and their punch. You can you could get right in there. Right. And that shows you care. Sure, absolutely.
1: You know what I mean? At least shows you're paying a creepy amount of attention to their nose.
2: I mean you're you're hanging on their every sneeze. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> That's true. Okay. It's a great Steve Winwood song. <laughs> and here's the thing is it's like uh you you got you play Scrabble, right? this is like a triple word score. Okay. That's basically all we're talking about here. But now this double blessing, is that redeemable
3: for cash? I don't believe so, no. Is In it some re- churches, <laughs> is it redeemable for internet dollars? Possibly. Well, cuz we got to figure out what's the what's the currency here, man. I mean, right. What can we If I get a double blessing, let's say we cuz I mean we could engineer a situation where you could we could get some double blessings going. No, wait a second. What I'm
2: hearing you saying is Yes sir. We get the people onto the double blessing scenario. Right. They cut us a piece off. This is what I'm saying. They move up to the gold level. I think
1: this is what led to the mortgage crisis, but I'm not sure. And then
2: the people underneath (laughs) them pass on this thing about... Double blessing. This is what I'm talking about. And then they pass that up to us on the goal. we level.
1: get a little piece of every blessing. You're it's, talking about a pyramid blessing.
3: It's like, well, no. <laughs> it's multi-level blessing, and what's wrong with it's that? It's a
2: trapezoidal-shaped... Trapezoidal It's a tetrahedron
3: of blessing,
2: and isn't that what the Lord would intend? (laughs) Isn't that what the Lord would intend? It's a Ponzi blessing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's no actual blessing underneath this to to carry the whole thing. Here's my problem with this thing is it sounds to me like if if I'm the one sneezing, and then you're all directing your attention at me, and you're trying to time it right, you're yeah. you're not really showing compassion for my sneeze. You're really trying to find out what can I get out of this for me? And so my my sneeze becomes an opportunity for you to cash in on the Lord's goodness. That's correct. Yes, you've yeah, got that exactly
1: right. Couple things. One, take your hippie crap elsewhere. <laughs> um and yeah, I think I think Lee's got that dead to right. That's Look, what that, I like about that's it. That's
2: kind of the whole point of Christianity, showing off how holy you can yeah, be. Seriously. I mean, that's uh I don't know where you've been this whole time.
1: No, I think Lee is onto something here because you know the double blessing is important, right? But I think if we really wanted to get something to go viral on the Christian, you know, Christian ways, tap into the zeitgeist. What what do the Christians love more than blessings?
3: Tell me feelings. Yeah, they whoa. Do.
1: They love. Wow. So how feelings. can you have double feelings about a sneeze?
3: Whoa. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you I could mean, write can... some Tumblr poetry. Sure, we could do it this way, right? We could say normally someone sneezes, the polite thing to do to show you care, is say, "Oh, you feeling okay?" Sure, you know, you, you throw that in there. But maybe the double feelings is you ask twice. The first time, normal, just hey, you know, you you feeling okay? Second, creepy close talk. Hey, bro, if you're not feeling well, sure. you know, I mean, I just <laughs> if there's anything I can do to help. You all can't see this at home because it's not a visual program, but I'm leaning in on that <laughs> for right no now. reason. As he because po- as he pointed out, not a visual
1: program. <laughs> I'm just committing to this close. He's the just space. sure that the creepy will come in in the he's, audio. He's, he's
2: he's he's doing the close talking <laughs> theater over the, the mind, mind, hey, hey bro, if, if you're just not feeling well today, I just
3: if I could like make you like some homemade chicken soup. Yeah, there like, you go, my nana's recipe. So well, really see, delicious.
1: but Jed, you're offering to help.
3: Oh, that is which true. is not oh, what well, internet yeah.
1: feelings are about. That's
3: true. Okay, what you got to
1: do is flip it. Okay, and the first. Was, man, okay. you can't go. There was a time when I felt sick. There it is. Wow. There, it is. And there it is. Now that's I got four exciting. paragraphs about that, and just man, it was a hard time. And I, but I had strength and got through. And yeah. Wait, what were you saying?
3: Yeah, that's good. That that is the double blessing right there. Well, you
2: know, sometimes when you're around the super earnest ones, when got you, to
1: make their illness about you.
2: When you tell tell them how you're doing, they they gave you that. Mm. Mm. So just if you could time that right on top of the sneeze. <laughs>
3: Okay. So So
2: it's sort of a Oh uh, wow. Uh, mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. You know. That
1: was pretty hardcore and I I think I think we're on to something here now. So we've got, you know, creepy close talking. Good. Right. right. We've got absolutely make it about you. Yeah. That's right. good. When someone sneezes, do you tell a story from either international or history where someone had a way worse cold? Sure. They mm-hmm. got through it, mm-hmm. sure, which is like it's disguised as like inspiration, but it's really to double your guilt about how much you're whining about being sick, wow.
3: right. right?
1: Like, so I just chew, you, you know, during the 14th century, the bubonic plague wiped like, out half of London, <laughs> but there's this monk and he still talked about Jesus, so you know, maybe something that's to something about. to think
3: about. This is a true story, this actually happens several years ago at the bridge. Glenn is just sick as a dog. I mean, really, super, super sick. And we had this brother. And he's a good dude, love Jesus. He was, you know, coming out of kind of some gang stuff, and he would kind of gotten fired up on a certain brand of Christianity. So, you know, Glenn's feeling under the weather, and the dude said, "Hey, Glenn, you feeling all right, man?" Goes, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a little sick. And this dude puts his hand on shoulder and says, "Brother, you got to claim your healing, man. You just got to claim your healing, bro." And Glenn gave this brother a look. Now, you'd think, you know, you could talk about how that's really not doctrinally sound and that's really some fairly bogus theology and whatnot. And you could go, you could write a paper about it or a book or pamphlet or sermon series, or you could give the look that Glenn gave this brother. A look just said, don't ever say that again to anyone ever. And this dude that had been in all kinds of gang leadership and was used to bullets whizzing and whatnot, wasn't afraid of nothing. And that dude repented on the
2: spot <laughs> he really did bless his heart he he reversed course very quickly
3: but what i'm wondering off of that is i mean all this is gold it's gold jerry what i'm wondering is if you sound thought
1: lawyers do listen to podcasts right
3: <laughs> if you get the double blessing scenario jerry. do you earn the right to tell someone to claim their healing
2: Ooh! Wow! Whoa! Whoa! Because you're I mean,
1: extra the, holy. The, those now. are based you, on the same theological background. That yeah. being none. Yes. So yes,
3: got to claim your healing. Same bro. school of thought.
1: Well, yeah. you,
2: if you're extra holy, because you moved up, you got more points. Right. You got more holy points. Then that. The next thing is you get to lord it over the people underneath you. <laughs> that, that's, that's how it as works. The
3: Bible says that's
2: in the Bible. Except for it says to do the opposite. But you know that's <laughs> uh, it's in the Bible.
3: It, it does occur in the... I
2: mean, that's a, not in a that's not part. Way, of the Bible
1: yeah. about how leaders shouldn't be, try to be big and impressive and lord it over people, and we don't really care for that.
2: Yeah. Uh, no, I think that's the thing is, uh, you know, you could say... Uh, like, if you're, like, one level up, you can just say something sort of passive-aggressive. You if you're, know? like, a
3: Gold Select member, it's, that's all you got. Yeah. But if you get to, like, the Platinum Sapphire level... Right. You know, you board first and... You can make super weird comments about claiming your healing. Exactly right. Sure. Okay. You got to earn that. I think that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel good. I think we solved it.
2: I think once again, theologically, we just cut right to the core of this thing and, 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 and you know, help the people. Yeah. We're pretty great. You know what, Christianity? You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and on that, I declare emergency off because everyone was staring at me like, why are you still talking? <laughs> you, you
1: opened the emergency. We've only done this 180 times, folks. It's a little we're a little rusty on some of the particulars.
3: That's a lot of times. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> oh people God. are still listening to this show?
1: <laughs> well, maybe not anymore.
3: But you got to claim your listeners. 10 minutes man. of
1: hot sneeze talk. <laughs> 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 That's what the people are clamoring for.
3: Yeah. Oh lord Jesus, we just want
1: to thank you today for that fast forward button. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. How many times have you hit the 15 seconds ahead button? Write in. Let us know. We'll have a contest. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're good. We want to jump to our first question. We have to talk about Bridgebox first, sneezing, diseases, making fun of Christianity. Nope. No segue this week. Bridgebox is good. <laughs> It's only $8 a month. That money goes to support inner urban ministry here in inner city Chicago. Maybe it'll help pay for my addiction lessons one of these <laughs> days. And won't that be a happy day for us all? But for now, it helps us hire part-time employees to work at our bridge program, guys who are coming out of jail, coming out of addiction. We're actually hopefully getting ready to make another part-time hire nice. for guys who can Interactive folks at the Bridge help us make that service run a lot more because a 50-person service is a lot for our seven-person staff to run around and interact with people. Bridgebox helps us hire people who wouldn't otherwise be able to get a ministry job to make sure nobody falls through the cracks. It gets a lot of ministry done, coming and going, and you get cool stuff, sermons, songs, Bible studies, et cetera, for yourself. You can sign up $8 a month at MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. Now, we shall jump into our first question. It comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. And it says, I go to a church that is very scholarly. We study the original Hebrew and Greek. It's very informative, and I I'm, am and I'm fairly intelligent on Bible stuff because of it. But I feel like I have no real relationship with my Lord and Savior. Matt is here. Great job, church. <laughs> I don't suppose there's an easy way to learn relationship, but I'm at a loss as to what to do. I don't want to have, I don't want to have to find another church and lose the depth of learning. But I need help where they appear unable. Thoughts or suggestions? Thank you, Glenn. Why don't you start us off?
2: Uh, yeah. Here's the thing. Let's start with a bit of semantics, if we if we can. Uh, I don't I don't mean to get overly eggheaded with you on that. Uh, but here's the thing: is there's two definitions of the word church. One is uh, a place where people who claim to be members of the same faith gather together and do stuff related to that faith, Uh, by that definition, yes, you go to church. Uh, By the definition that most of us as Christians would go by, we would say a church is a place where the scriptures are taught, where we are nurturing one another in our individual relationships with the Lord, where we have a time of worship, where we have a time of fellowship. Uh, It's a place, hopefully, where we are either serving or we are being equipped to serve elsewhere. We're being rejuvenated and recharged in that, and uh, we're learning how to apply Scripture to our individual lives. Mm. All that's meant to take place. That's the definition of church. Some of that can happen in, let's say, a Bible study that's Sort of outside the church, it meets on a different day than Sunday or something like that mm-hmm. that 's fine there 's nothing wrong with that and that and, and it can be all kind of you, you so you can sort of mix mix and match the different pieces and stuff so that's that part's fine you're missing uh the important pieces you might even say the essential pieces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got one piece, and this piece is not even allowing your church to define itself as a church.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: You're, a place where you learn about Bible stuff, you would either call a seminary or a Bible college or... A library. Uh, a, yeah, a library or, or what have you. Uh,
1: Biblehub.com. Uh,
2: yeah, I I, I learn about the Bible in, in my the little office upstairs there, but I don't call that church because it's not church because there aren't church activities taking place there. There there isn't a church life there. There isn't a body life taking place there. So in that sense, not to be ugly, but you don't go to a church, my brother. That's the problem that we're dealing with. You go to a place where you're, you're learning the Bible. And here's the bad part. Uh, or or the, the the tricky part about that is you could actually be learning that anywhere. You don't have to be in a church environment or a classroom environment or a group environment. I think it's good to study the Bible in a group environment. I think that's that part is fine. Um, but you definitely need to recognize that you are like, again you, that you're missing the essential pieces of this. I've got a couple of other things I want to say on that, but let me send this around to these other guys, kind of get them to jump in. Uh, But I think part of this needs to start with an acknowledgement of this church. is not just that they are weak in certain areas. Mm. They have massive gaping holes in the essential areas Mm. and are not really functioning as a church just yet. Yeah.
1: Well, i think you're totally right and i think one of the things we're looking at here we'll probably get into this more as we go along is that um every church has their strengths and weaknesses and one of the things you could do is address those weaknesses much like you can an individual head on but that's super hard so mm-hmm. one of the things a lot of places do to varying degrees of success is try to overcompensate what they're good at to kind of cover for what they're not good at in some places that were in some ways proportions that can work what's going on here is you have them um Over, as Glenn is saying, doubling down on the uh, scholarly stuff to make up for the lack of relationship stuff, and that's actually ruins everything because all the learning doesn't actually work apart from the relationship. Can you talk us through that, Lee?
0: Yeah, absolutely. The the thing is, is that uh, as Glenn's saying, if you can do this, the biblical learning thing anywhere. In fact, there are a lot of people who are considered world renowned experts on biblical theology, and they don't even know Jesus at all. And in fact, if you were to ask them, they would not define themselves as believers in Jesus or sometimes even as believers in God, but they're experts in that book. They're experts in the text, in the Hebrew and the Greek and everything that you're talking about. They are experts in the archaeology. They're experts in the culture and the history and the whole thing. There's no actual spiritual value to learning those things to learning those things that you're talking about if they are not paired with a relationship with Jesus if they're not paired with ministry or serving somebody or helping somebody in the name of Jesus then there is no spiritual value to those things and actually when you when you do look through the gospels you find that that those kinds of folks were the people that were in Jesus's way all the time and these were the people that Jesus went off on all the time you you find Jesus um, compassionate and hanging out with and partying with the, the sinners and the folks whose lives were falling apart in every way. And it was the people that had all of the biblical learning that he would tee off on and go off on. And so th- that is a problem. And, and so, you know, the, the, one of the questions to ask yourself is, um, if I don't have this relationship with Jesus, why is it that I want all this biblical intelligence, What is that giving me, and why is that um, an? Why do I feel that that's an important thing that I that that I want to hang on to? And I ask that because Glenn brings up a great point, which is you don't actually go to a church. Um, If you if you knew that around the next block was a church where today you could hook up the relationship piece, would you leave the one where you're at and go to that one? That's an important question, because that right. answers, do I actually want this relationship piece, or is there something about all this biblical intelligence that I'm holding on to as a treasure? I like yeah. feeling smart, and I'm not judging mm-hmm. you on that. If that's where you are, it's where you are. But what what I am saying is, if you knew you could get that today somewhere else, would you go for that? I think it would be really interesting to conduct a little experiment, which would be to go find... A ministry that is uh, a ministry whose focus and target is elderly people, um, little kids, or folks with special needs, and watch those people do ministry, and see if it's not the polar opposite of everything that you've experienced in church so far, and see if you don't find some of the spiritual life that you're missing out on, and see how that how something like that hits you.
1: That's a fantastic point. It really transfers into what I'd like to get Jed to close out here with. Obviously, I think um, Glenn and Lee have done a great job addressing the church part of it, and you can draw your own conclusions from that new church. But uh, let's look at this from just the standard. If this is a person who says, I know a lot about the Bible. I don't feel like I have a relationship with Jesus. How do I start off on that foot? Maybe independent from the church thing.
3: Absolutely. it's a great question. We appreciate you writing in. So a relationship with God actually works a lot like a relationship with anybody else um the The cornerstone of any relationship is communication uh, that's that's actually what makes relationships um so with you know with your buddy you'd go and you'd grab a cup of coffee and you'd just hang out for a while and you'd talk and you know he'd do some talking and you'd do some talking and you you'd get to know one another um uh, uh, building a relationship with God actually works kind of the same way. Uh, we call that prayer instead of you know, conversation, uh, but you go and spend time with God, and you, you tell Him about how you're doing and things that concern you, things you're excited about, things you're afraid about, things you hope for, things you're concerned about, and you, know, you, you learn little bit by little bit to try and listen to what God has to say to you in return. Uh, but that's that's actually kind of the cornerstone of a relationship with God is that sense of communication. I'm assuming, based on your question, that you're that you're saved, that you've made a faith decision for Jesus. If you haven't, I want to real quick just make it clear for other people that are listening: um, the beginning, beginning, beginning of a relationship with God is um, uh, accepting Jesus's offer of salvation. Right. Um, that's that's saying that that God offers you eternal life in paradise as a free gift purchased by Jesus' death on the cross and you accept that for yourself. That's we want to be clear that's that's the beginning of a relationship with God. But right. then living it out is that interaction piece is that spending time together piece is that talking and communicating and listening piece.
2: And and there is an element of teaching that we can do about that. Absolutely, you know.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. Here's the one thing that I would add to that in terms of developing that relationship and I think it harkens back to um, something Lee was saying, which is if I want to develop a relationship with another person, not only would I spend time talking, but we would do things together. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You, know, uh, you know, we'd you know, go to the coffee shop and we'd talk, but we'd also go play racquetball or, mm-hmm. you, know, uh, you know, go watch a movie or, you know, uh, go have some kind of adventure together. Well, I think Jesus wants to have adventures with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, the thing about serving other people is there's almost nothing in life that's as exciting as that. Uh, there's almost nothing in life that's as energizing as that. And when you go and you serve other people in Jesus' name, you actually learn about the kind of person Jesus is uh, when you do that in, in ways that actually reading the Bible by itself, you won't understand it in that same way. So I think if you want to build a relationship with Jesus, certainly, again, we want to look at, if, you, if you're not a Christian, you know, we want to look at you know accepting that offer of salvation. That's as simple as saying, God, yes, you know, mm. I, I want in on this Jesus thing. If you if you are, if you've, if that's a decision that you've made, then it's about communicating openly and honestly and telling God about how you're doing and, and trying to, to listen to what he has to say to you. But it's also about joining Jesus in the work that he's doing. And that mm. means, you know, serving people that are down and out, serving people that are having a hard time. And I think the more of that talking and listening and the more of that serving you do, I think the more that you're going to uh, see and experience a growth in that relationship piece. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and just to jump in there real quick as we wrap this up, I think there's a a sense of, uh, because we deal with um, individual churches, individual pastors, and even some denominations who really kind of pride themselves on, hey, we may not be great at, you know, outreach or, you know, poor people or, you know, inner city anything or, you know, missions, but we are really good at the brain side of this. We're very intellectual, very bookish, and we're very elite in that sense. We're very posh and very, that's the, you know, we're, we're the Rolls Royce option here, sure. or something right. like that. Those people come down to our service in inner city Chicago, where they hear inner city pastors, uh, many of whom have day jobs, mm. many of whom did not go to seminar- seminary, and they will they will hear them quote as much Greek words there, and use as much of a breakdown on biblical language and culture at the bridge in our services than they hear in their own thing. The difference is when you're doing this purely as an intellectual exercise, it doesn't have it doesn't have any roots. It doesn't go down. It's mm. not that well retained. It's not taught well. If you want to dig mm. it in that sense. But when someone says, here's, here's the Greek root of this word, and that opens up your understanding of this verse and how to apply it to your life, well, then it takes on this huge dynamic meaning, and the, the intellectual egg-headed part of it was right at the center of that. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to say is there are many churches that beat your church at the thing it prides itself <laughs> on yeah. Yeah. and helps the poor at the same time. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Just two real quick things
3: for you to look at. The first is you talk about, you know, there's no easy way to learn relationship. Actually, I I know exactly what you mean. I've I've been in some more places. Two things I want to encourage you to look at. The first is, I think part of the reason why you feel like that hasn't been taught to you is because the people that lead your church don't know much about it. Uh-huh. uh-huh. That that's not an insult and I'm certainly not saying they're not saved. I'm certainly not saying they're not Christians, but I'm saying that they probably don't have terribly strong relationships with the Lord. That's right. Um I think if they did, they'd be telling you more about it. You bet. So I, I think they're
1: And that comes from a place of knowing people who are in seminary. Teach at seminaries, pastors, denominational leaders who know all this stuff who don't have a who will te- who have told Glenn and Jed I don't feel like I have a strong relationship with right. God. That's exactly. right.
3: Not an insult, just an observation. The other side of that is one of the things I want to encourage you to do again is to get involved in serving at least of these. And here's part of why: the people that lead those ministries are far more likely to have a well-developed relationship with the Lord. Yeah, and. You're not wrong to want someone to be able to guide you through that process. That's actually what a pastor is supposed to do. That's Mm -hmm. that's their key job. And there's nothing wrong. In fact, I encourage you to find somebody that does. They clearly just you can watch them. And that dude knows Jesus. He just there's a peace and a joy about him that just it's clear, it's unmistakable. Talk to that guy. Say Mm -hmm. how do you do that? How has that worked in your life? How, did you, what is, how does your relationship with Jesus work? How do I get to be more like that? People that have that relationship would love to sit down and talk with you and help you develop that for your own self. You're not wrong to want that, and that's the way to find it. Yeah. And it's
1: absolutely true. I will, because um, we don't get a lot of uh, detail on a lot of these questions. I take a slightly different angle on this. Of As Glenn started out when we said this, you know, there are different theories on the way to do church and get kind of everybody all the bits they need. Um, one that is a little more popular, and maybe um, at least over in Chicago, we tend to agree with a little more. Is let's do the Bible stuff in the small groups, and when it comes to sermon time, let's talk about being people and living this out. And mm-hmm. that come that's formed by you know the way we the environment we do ministry and kind of what we want out of sermons and stuff. But it's a perfectly valid way to say pastor is gonna on, in our sermon time on Sunday morning is going to do the Bible stuff, right? And then. Uh, this, as Jed and leader talk talking about the service stuff, that's go volunteer for the nursery. Go, We have a group that goes to the soup kitchen. You can volunteer and go with them, but uh, that leaves that up to you to be a little more active in that. Maybe there's a small group Bible study where we talk about our lives, and it's a small exactly group leader right. who we watch that. that. That's all fine. That's fine. As, as long as, as those things are occurring. As long yeah. as those things are occurring. The, yeah. the, the, and your church may have that set up. Uh, one of the differences in those philosophies is, is – the setup, the secondary setup we're talking about, where you, would, you would do the intellectual stuff on Sunday morning, that leaves all the other stuff as you have to be a self starter on that. Right. You have to kind of, I'm going to sign up for a small group, and even though the first time is going to be awkward, I'm going to go, and I'm going to hate it the first time, but I make myself go the second time, or I'm going to re- find out who signs up people to in the nursery and I'm or the soup kitchen or whatever. So we're, you don't know, we're not saying you necessarily have to leave your church. We all have, and we've all dealt with a lot of people in these situations where. Maybe something to pray about and look at, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of um, relational elements that are kind of up to you to self-start on. One of the sure. one of the reasons a lot of churches go to this doing the uh, the heady stuff up front. Unfortunately, one is um, that's what seminary trains pastors to do. That's right. They don't that's actually right. have any other skills, that's bless right. their hearts. But what, one of the ways that philosophy can work is I actually can't make you have a relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. through lecture, I can impart Greek and Hebrew to you. That's not that hard. Right. I can't actually stand up front and no matter how good a preacher I am, make you want to go serve and grow deeper. So right a lot of people would say it's better to have that happen in a small group environment. Totally right. valid idea. Right. It, it can bear out, but you have to do that on your own. And as I was you're saying, whatever it is, nursery, if it's something outside your church, if it's something with people mm-hmm. at your church, get into something a little more relational. And then the test for this church will be now is all the egg stuff. I'm learning on Sunday morning, feeding that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cause as we say, oh, that's okay. how this is. If this is well set up, that's how it's set up to go. Right. And you can see how that all feeds a relationship. I, I in my spare time, like to read a lot of non, uh, non-fiction history. That was what mm-hmm. my degree is in. I like it. As much as I learn about him, I don't have a relationship with Henry V. Sure. Right, right, and no right, amount right. of learning more things about him is going to stop that. Right, right, But I have a relationship with Glenn. Right. So if I know Glenn likes the Houston Astros. Right. And I'd rather say, hey, man, I saw the game last night, and the Astros on the fourth walk-off, and holy crap, and what right. are we doing? right we can talk about that. Now that's a relational thing. And right? I well he likes the Astros cuz they they're the eggheads in the front office really figured it out and that's cuz Glenn likes engineering stuff. And now mm. knowledge with a relationship base can build on it. So right. again, none of us are bashing knowledge. None of us are actually bashing the way church is doing church this way. Mm. I will say from just what I've seen doing church this way it takes a lot more um deft handling mm. and it's a lot, yeah. you know, I personally I would say I'd rather Make sure we do the relationship stuff and we're all here, and then you can go egghead on your own as opposed to flipping yep. it. But again, just pure theory. So, the, f- the most important thing is you can have a relationship with Jesus. If, as Jed said, if you'd never made the faith decision, prayed the sinner's prayer and that whole deal, you got to start there. If you know what that means, great. Find some church, do it. If you don't, email us or something and we'll walk you through it and how to do that. That's fine. If you've done that, the next step is find a way to do something, and then we we'll see few, where all this unpacks from.
2: We happy few. <laughs> We band of brothers. Keep going. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear me do all of the St. Christmas Day speech out from it, Henry V.
1: That may very well be true. All right, we're going to move on to our next question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr. It says, actually, this came into our email address from our friend, not anonymously, because he can't send an email anonymously. This is from our friend Kenny down there in Carolina. He says, as you oh, may know. Thanks to you, fellas, I recently got hitched. (laughs) Before then, I was a Young Life leader for four years and then stopped leading so that I could spend my time on getting married. Turns out that all my plans for the wedding were swiftly rejected by my mother-in-law and wife. We feel you, Kenny. I think think your NASCAR-themed wedding would have been great.
2: Absolutely. Me too.
1: I don't know if Kenny likes NASCAR. I'm making some judgments based on Carolina. All right, here we go. And focus on my wedding and my full-time job. Now that I am six months into the married life, I found myself volunteering for Young Life again. Already, I found it's going to be difficult to balance my time between work, ministry, and my wife. I was hoping y'all could help make that easier. How do you, fellas? Again, I read the emails as they're sent in. (laughs) Parentheses, Glenn, Jed, and Lee. Parentheses, not Mr. Single Matt Beard. Wow. another parenthesis sorry Matt, I heart you. I heart you too, buddy. Balance your time between ministry and wife time. And Lee, you are married and have a full time job and are a young life leaders. So why don't you start us off?
0: I am those things. And I have to say I've known you for a long time, Matt. That's the first time I've heard you use the, the phrase, I heart you too. Yeah.
1: Well maybe if you paid a little more attention.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well uh first off congratulations on getting married man that's that's fantastic um, um and I will one say one of us one of the <laughs> never one, mind keep going one of the things for uh, for for Christy and myself we actually do a lot of our church ministry together we we uh, we do high school ministry together we do worship ministry together we we do so we we team up on a lot of, of ministry we've done a lot of jail ministry together and that's that's really really cool so what to whatever extent that you guys can work together in a ministry you're gonna find that super rewarding and and uh, in every possible way but uh, when you specifically are talking about this Young life stuff, where this is something you're involved in that she's not. It's really going to be like anything else in your marriage, where you're going to have to face this thing head up, talk, talk about it, and and figure out what is you know. Look at our schedules and figure out what uh, you know what makes sense for my level of commitment, and how can I keep this balanced with the time that we're spending together. And the the way that works for us is we we have a few things that that we do on this. So figure out, you know, with with the young life commitments where can we make sure that we have some really awesome, you know, couple time and family time and everything outside of all that stuff? And then when you set those, what whatever those boundaries are going to be, you know, you're going to hang out your, with your wife at this time and not do, you know, this Young Life thing over here. Or there's not a Young Life thing on this day, so we're going to hang out, we're going to have a date or whatever. Then you need to make sure, and this is important because if I know from experience, if you're doing Young Life ministry, you're going to have high school kids texting you and calling you and, you know, getting in touch with you on social media on your, your phone's going to be buzzing a lot. If you're on a date with your wife and you've set that time aside, be hard and fast on those boundaries. Do not answer. Yeah, just yeah. set up caution tape around that time and make a thing. I am not going to answer this high school guy who's texting me about this girl that he likes in his math class. I'm not going to do that. This is this time that we have is is going to be a sacred time. And so you don't, you know, that dude can wait. So, you know, so it starts with communicating, well, what are, you know, what can we do in our time together? One thing that I would highly encourage you to do is, because eventually you, you may have kids and you're going to have family and your kids are going to, you know, you're going to have to balance your time with your kids and your wife and everything with all of this ministry, is... With the time that I'm not doing that ministry and I'm just hanging out with my with my family, my wife or my kids or whatever, for you right now it's just your wife, how creatively awesome can I make that time? So um, what is the kind of time that makes my wife feel really connected? Um, One of the things that I've found out just with Christy is that she loves it if we get a chance to exercise together. So if we go on a walk together or we go on a jog together or we go on a bike ride together, I mean, within, within 30 minutes or an hour, it can feel to her like we have been hanging out for a long, long time. So we can really make up some ground if I've been away doing ministry stuff by just going on a jog together or going on a bike ride together or something like that because we get a chance to talk. We get, it's, it's just a really cool time for us. So you want to get creative with that time. You want to maintain the boundaries of that time, respect that time, make it sacred so that the time that you have together you know, is, is, uh, is something that, that fills you up from the time that you were apart. And then always, you always want to be kind of checking back in. How are you feeling about our us time? Is this, is this working for you? And if you have to flex stuff, you have to flex stuff. If you're, if you're catching my drift, this is all about constantly talking about stuff and figuring out how can we max out the time that we have together.
1: That's a lot of great stuff. And Jed, you've recently, in the last couple of years, dealt with um, work responsibilities ratcheting up for your wife as you've, and for yourself as you've both still done ministry stuff. So how do you maybe handle that when things increase in time?
3: Well, it's a great question. Ditto everything Lee said. He's he's right on the money with all of it. Um yep. commu- communication—that's um, really, in many ways, the answer to every potential problem in a marriage relationship. Yep. I mean, and you kind of can't overdo it. Uh, I mean, talk through everything in intricate detail. I think part of the issue here, in a weird way, is trust. Um, and here's mm-hmm. why: is I think people wonder who comes first. Mm. Am I in, yeah. am I in competition with this ministry? Yes. Um, and, um, if, if we get to a place where we're feeling like we're in competition, there's a huge problem. You betcha. Um, so the thing that Hallie and I work very, very hard to, to do with each other is to be clear, you come first, no matter what. Right. Um, I have, I have these obligations for, you know, my work and my ministry. Let's figure out together how to meet those, given that you come first. Right. Given that if I have to choose between the two, I'm choosing you every time. No question, no hesitation. Absolutely. Given that, how do we fit what we can fit in of all these other things? Now, part of what that means is sometimes, um, not as often as you might expect, but sometimes it is going to come down to there's something Hallie needs and there's something, you know, that's a ministry thing and it's going to need to be Hallie. Uh, We're going to need to, uh, I'm going to need to call off and cancel, get somebody else in there and whatnot. Again, if you communicate well and plan well, that doesn't happen nearly as often as you'd expect. And part of what happens is if you build that trust relationship, um, I think the other person is far more likely to be understanding and say, look, what we can do, go do your thing. Right. When you get back, though. Right. We're yes. gonna really get into it and talk yes. this out and, yes. and have this time. So the true conflicts where it's gotta be black or white, one of the other are actually pretty rare. That's right. You know, every every once in a blue moon they, they happen. But the thing that you really, really wanna be on the lookout and you know, Matt, to your question as, you know, when your situation kind of responsibilities are ratcheting up the thing you want to be on the lookout for is does the other person or do i feel like they're in competition that's right um between the relationship and the and the responsibilities yeah if we get into that situation that is a danger zone and we really really want to uh to uh be careful about that i'm uh, i'm looking ahead at uh, glenn's notes and i think he's got a thing that relates directly to that uh but to be clear if there's ever any sense of competition. Um your spouse must come first. But here's the key thing. They need to know they come first. That's they need right. to be completely secure in that knowledge, because otherwise that will lead to problems.
1: Absolutely. Well, Glenn, Jed prematurely segued us, so let's <laughs> yeah. pick it up.
2: And I should say, not only do I agree with what these saying these guys are saying, what they're saying, this th- these this isn't the secret sauce. This is essential stuff. Yeah. This is must have all these things. If
3: you don't do this, it will be a smoldering <coughs> wreck.
2: Exactly right. Uh, my wife uh, likewise works with us in the ministry, but we should be clear: Jane and I don't do the exact same thing within yeah. the ministry. So, um, no, nobody
1: wants you leading the children's ministry. That's the thing,
2: that's really true, at least of all the children. <laughs> um, but the thing is that what what we're doing there is: I'm supporting her in what she's doing for the ministry. She's supporting me for what I'm doing in the ministry. So we're a team in that element. So it isn't an either or, but uh, I really want to key in w- on on what Jed is saying there in terms of that competition piece. It's a it, it, when 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 Jane and I got married, I tried to explain to her that it's not as if I have X amount of time for ministry and X amount of time for you. I have unlimited time for you. Mm. Period. It, however, whatever you need, that's what you get. So. I trust that you would not over-milk that. Yep. I trust that you would not put that to the test and just devise things for me, just for you to get attention or whatever. I trust that you wouldn't keep me from doing ministry unless it's something, really, emergency. Like you were saying, You know, can we talk about this later and, and that sort of thing. But if you tell me you need me to stop the world, because you got to say something right, right now, and I need to hear it, the whole world's going to stop. You're my yeah. wife. I don't care about any of these other people. But I care about you. It's just you and me. The rest of these lunatics is, you know, <laughs> they're on
3: their own. They're on
2: their own. You, uh, you and I are banding together against all the madness here. We're not going to let the madness in to the inner sanctum here and take over. So, uh, uh, you and I are going to always be on the same page. Now that that means there have been times when I've come home at. Midnight, one o'clock, two o'clock, and my wife is up, and she wants to talk, and yep. that, and that's it. She gets as much time as she wants. There have been times where, you know, uh, a, a two-hour conversation means I'm going to be up a, an extra two hours doing my work for that particular day, and I'm happy to do that. Mm. I don't, I don't begrudge that because it's, it's worth the investment of time to have that quality of, of teamwork, uh, and I have never ever felt as though there was a jealousy there mm. of, of Jane being jealous of the of my commitment to the ministry. And and uh and we've been able to share that. You know, there's something I think very powerful for these ladies for them to be involved in ministry and have our full support to where mm. we are, you know, if it's a ladies' event, we're hooking up equipment and hauling in refreshments and then clearing out of the room and letting them have the room and do their own thing. If it's Jane's working with the kids during the middle of that service, I'll go up once or twice just to make sure. And there are times I go up there and somebody needs to help little Susie finish this puzzle. I've got a whole room full of ex-cons and gangbangers and pastors and volunteers running everywhere, and food is late and things in crisis and whatever. But right now, Jane needs me to help little Susie with her little puzzle. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm doing, mm-hmm. you know. And so. And it sends a message to Jane that if she needs something, I'm taking care of it. It sends a message to the little kids and to the volunteers and right. to the rest of the staff. He's paying attention to his wife, and those, that's what those priorities are. I'm happy to set that example. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I don't mind the whole operation saying, well, if there was a fire, he'd run in and save her and leave the rest of us. Sure, Because that's, that's
0: exactly how it should be. And, and to, the, to the last point that Glenn was making, what you're going to find after you if – you, if you carry out your ministry in the way that he's talking about, where everybody around you knows that your wife comes first – And that Exactly like he's laying this out One thing that you're going to find After doing ministry For for a few years Is that the Lord Is going to use that In the lives of the people That you're reaching out to They're going to wind up Wanting a marriage like that They're going to wind up Coming to you Saying How do you get a relationship Like that My parents never had A relationship like that I've never had a relationship Like this I want some of what You guys have When your marriage Is the most important piece More important than your ministry And everything like that Then it actually becomes a tool that the Lord uses within your ministry in a really mm. cool and cool ways that you never really saw coming,
3: yeah, one final real quick thought on this, and that is um something that you and your wife can support each other, in, particularly if you're involved again in kind of a volunteer capacity of ministry, is you got to learn to say no to things yeah um uh, uh any organization would love to have more of your time than you're really able to give, and uh it it says in the Bible and I
1: love young life to death, but they're pretty bad about that, yeah.
3: It says in the Bible that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Uh, that applies to your time as well as your money. Um, uh-huh. when, you, when, you, when you serve with a ministry that you love and you care about, you have a way of feeling like, I just always want to do more. The truth is there's a point where it stops being fun, and then there's a point where you're resenting it. Right. Um, you know, uh, it, We don't often give ourselves permission to be honest about that, right. but it happens forever because there's a point of burnout. I just mm. I can't do any more. So one of the things that you and know, I can hold each other accountable on is to recognize I can't be a cheerful giver if I do this. Mm -hmm. I can't, if I do this one more retreat or this one more event or this one more thing, it will go from being something that I'm giving freely and lovingly to a thing that I'm dreading and that it's a have to, and I don't want to be doing this. That's a good time to pump the brakes and say, then they're going to have to get somebody else to do it. Um, And and that's actually, again, something where in a marriage, you guys can support each other in that and strengthen each other in that, and you'll you'll be stronger for it.
1: Fantastic stuff. And I would point out that uh, to uh, our friends here who are newly married, uh, that takes some dialing in. You're, yeah, you're listening yeah. to uh, guys who've all been mar- married and in ministry for years right. and yeah. decades. So, you know, yeah, there true. there will be uh, uh, slips and slides along the way. None of, that means none of that means your marriage is in trouble or you sure. can't do this. Just, you know, don't let it go unremarked upon. All right, we're going to go to our last question here. It came in also to our email address. It says, I was wondering if each of you could talk a bit about how you feel about people slash Christians protesting. Even when I agree with the protesters on an issue, sometimes something doesn't quite sit right with me when I see people marching or protesting, quote, in the name of Jesus, unquote. When I see such protesters, I never think, wow, those people really love God. I almost always think, wow, those people really hate, insert group or individual being protested against. Additionally, you guys always talk about taking action and getting involved, so you you have any suggestions on how I can take action on an issue other than protesting in the streets or championing the cause via infographics on social? media and just to clarify i do not consider the infographics as an actual useful way to get involved and you're correct jed one starts
3: off it's a great question very insightful and i appreciate your writing in um i think in a lot of ways this all boils down to goals what what are your goals what are their goals uh, something matt said a couple years ago i've thought about many times a very deep idea is that most people are achieving the exact thing they're setting out to do mm-hmm. uh, we just need to be honest about what it is they're setting out to do. Um, for a lot of us online, we read something that makes us angry. And what we want to do is um, something that costs us nothing that feels like we've been able to speak to and address that anger. That's, that's what we want. That's what petitions are for. That's what petitions are for. That, that was our goal. Our goal was to satisfy our anger. And then we did that. Mm. We, we wrote a pithy retort on uh, <laughs> Facebook and, and it's done. We, we achieved the goal. The goal was never to stop human trafficking. That wasn't right. the goal. The goal was to satisfy my anger. The The goal wasn't to end racism. The goal was to satisfy my anger. I satisfied my anger, so I'm, I'm done here. Uh, I think we want to look at, at goals. People whose goals are truly to address human suffering tend to be doing that. Right. Um, uh, there's a million ways to do that. In other words, if you look at... Um, if, if you look at human trafficking, for example, and, and you say, well, my, my goal here is actually to find a person who has been impacted by this and do something to help them individually. That's my goal. That's what I want to do. Well, the pithy post online actually wouldn't really be a part of that. It, it just wouldn't enter the equation. That mm-hmm. would be, maybe I'll find an organization that does great work and I'll cut them a check. Uh, that would be something. Maybe I'll there's an, maybe I live in a big enough place that there's an organization that does stuff like that here, and I'll volunteer with them. And whether that's you know ladling soup or teaching math or whatever. I have a buddy who's a great guy. He's actually getting married uh, here soon. Who uh, spent uh, an entire year in Thailand, um, I believe, teaching music to women who had come out of the sex trade in Thailand that is doing something i mean right. that that is a person that said i want to do this thing i you mm-hmm. know but i think when you see protesting i think what you're seeing is people achieving the exact thing they're setting out to do they they're setting mm-hmm. out to be outraged and speak to that outrage and then they're doing that that mm-hmm. that's that was the goal and that's what they've achieved people whose goal is change people whose goal is extending mercy people whose goal is extending um, God's love are actually generally doing that um, and it, it doesn't tend to leave a lot of time to, to write about it let me say one more thing because it's a similar idea uh, very few people are honest about the results that they're seeking. Wow. I saw recently someone I don't even remember what they were upset about. It someone on Facebook, which is apparently the home for idiotic behavior in America in 2015. That's their new slogan. Um, uh, uh they they had a rant which I didn't read, but it began with "I can keep silent no longer." All right, now, this is not. Was a, this person Thomas Paine? It's by not, any chance? It's not Thomas Paine. It's not a celebrity. It's not a not a public figure. Um, nelson mandela not nelson mandela
1: is Uh, it because it would make sense if it was nelson mandela
2: is it someone with Tourette's? Well, <laughs> you're saying this is quite then literal. It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just literally can't keep in, silent.
3: In honor of Oliver Sacks' recent passing, well done. Thank you. Well done. Okay, so I can keep silent no longer. All right, you're not Nelson Mandela. What are we talking about here? We want to ask what are what are the results that you're that you're seeking here? If your result is to say there's a thing in the world that I perceive as an injustice and I want to lessen it because I want to lessen injustice, a post on Facebook could not possibly lead to that. Mm -hmm, It could not. There is 0% chance of that leading to that in any way. So what results are you looking for? What are you trying to, what's the outcome that you're trying to achieve here other than satisfying your anger in the moment? I think if we care about a cause, I think we want to ask ourselves, what are the results I'm trying to achieve? What is the measurable outcome that I want right. to see happen? And is the current strategy that I'm looking at, does it is it pointed in that direction? Right. Not just does it have a chance of, of getting there, is it pointed in that direction? People that want to follow the Lord in a responsible and smart way have a sense not only of the goals they're trying to achieve, but of how their strategy is going to reach those goals happening.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right. I think um, a big thing we need to look at on this is kind of discerning, to Jed's point, whether or not the people involved in this are just trying to get their venom and anger out. Yeah. So, Lee, can you talk to us a little about that kind of discerning, not even what the issue, but kind of how people are presenting it?
0: Yeah, there's a there's a verse in Scripture that says that you should test the spirits. And when you look at some of this stuff, you you kind of test the spirits of the people that are involved. I mean, you look at their words. Is the rhetoric, is it unkind? Is it judgmental? Is it is it is it inflamed? I mean, you know, it's really interesting. We have... I have a friend uh, here um, in our town who has—he's—he's he's a lawyer, a brilliant, just a brilliant lawyer, and he could have been, you know, a super wealthy lawyer in any, you know, big city in the states. And actually, really young in his career, you know, over thirty years ago, he like he he tried this unbelievable case in front of the Supreme Court, United States. Just really, really sharp dude. But he he has devoted his entire life to serving poor people. That is. All that he's done, and um, what's really interesting is that certain there are certain um, you know kind of perennial Christian debates that always come up, and they you know and people get fired up on Facebook and Twitter and different you know avenues of social media about these things, and nobody ever thinks to go to this dude who has actual experience with serving and helping poor people in real, you know, real court cases and 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 you know, real experience and say, "Hey, what's your opinion on this? What's your take on this?" I mean, I don't know anything about it because I've never even met a poor person before, but you have spent the last 40 years serving poor people in, in this county. How do you see this very important issue that everybody's really fired up about? And if anybody did that – and I actually have had these conversations with this brother – if anybody did that, they would be just overwhelmingly shocked at how subtle and nuanced some of these issues are, how unbelievably not black and white they are, how you cannot categorically say in every situation, this is exactly what's morally right, what's biblically sound, what's whatever – and this dude has a thousand stories about why your black and white, you know, stance on this thing makes no sense. It, you know, when you, when you look at, uh, when, when you approach it in the, from the avenue of compassion, when you approach it from the avenue of being a believer in Jesus, you approach it in fighting injustice. Some of the rants that people, ha- all of the rants that people have make no sense based on Every single thing that this dude has actually seen. So just having the discernment to say, do I, do I have an opinion on this situation that's based on anyone that's ever done anything about this in any real way? And am I willing to get my hands dirty? Am yeah. I willing to go where there's somebody that's been through this situation and have a conversation Am I willing to um, make a plate of brownies for somebody that's been through this and talk to them and learn about their lives a little bit? Am I willing to talk less and do more about it? My boss always um, he always uh, says a thing which I really like, which is when everybody gets fired up online about the new cause that Christians are fired up about, he always says, "You know what, Christians, you need to save you're crazy." You know, there mm-hmm. are times when you're going to need to get really fired up about something, save that because all this stuff is more nuanced and more subtle than you understand. It's more complex than you could possibly imagine. So let's all just try to save our crazy. Amen.
2: That's a
1: fantastic point. And Glenn, there are some things that I think uh, Jed uh, Jed and both leaders are absolutely right. There are some things that, you know, it's just not that you're basically, there are things being misrepresented to you. There are, however, things that are, um, just atrociously evil that are happening as yep. far as, you know, to immigrants um, with a lot of what uh, the largest gang in the world, I forget their name, the police <laughs> right. may be involved in that people, you know, a lot of our listeners are fired up about and want to care. Can you, t- you talk about a little bit of that kind of looking at injustice and what it means to have those feelings, be fired up, but do something constructive?
2: Yeah. I, you know, first and foremost, uh uh, it has to be said that we we actually know a lot of people who do protest stuff. Sure. Sure. Uh, we know people. Not on the internet. Who, yeah, that's right. Uh, and who will get us arrested at some point. Yeah. Uh, but um, We had a
1: conversation about if a certain thing went a certain way, which one of us was going to go bail out a 70-year-old blind woman yeah. yep. for getting arrested at protesting. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so you know, uh and uh, some of us get invited to speak at rallies and uh, and wish we weren't. Uh so there's that. Um but let's let's start here, okay? If you say to yourself, I believe in justice for the poor. I believe in helping the sick, healing people who are sick. Uh I believe in helping the homeless. I believe, as Lee is saying, it's more complicated mm-hmm. than any of these people. None of it fits on a slogan on a sign. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but I want to get in the mix. I want to do something that is an act of activism. Sure. That is an act of of getting into this mix and changing the world. Uh, it is making a difference, and people do notice it. Very quick story. I'm. 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 At a church, uh, this is a very, very, very wealthy church on the outskirts of Chicago. We will not mention the name of it. And I am talking to a very, very, very rich dude there. And he uh, he was asking me how things were going. I was telling him about uh, what we're doing ministry-wise. And, and he says, well, I, I hope the police are a great help to you in your work. And, of course, I began laughing because uh, they super are not because the Chicago Police Department is— so corrupt it's it's just laughably ridiculous and
1: um that's that's not a statement of editorializing there there are some serious numbers on that
2: oh yeah we can we can show you the numbers i mean it's i don't i don't think at this point anyone's even arguing that you know you know uh, the, we we all acknowledge just that something needs to be done there so uh, i say oh ho honey no that's the, that's a bad news situation there he says well why am i giving all this money to the state's attorney in his recent campaign I said, Well, I believe that's, that's a lovely question. I think that's what you call um your attempt to have a corrupt influence with your money. I think that's what that is. That's
1: a pre bribe.
2: Yeah, exactly right. Uh I I apparently I have to explain bribing to you now. Is that what we're <laughs> doing? And he's like, Well yeah, but I give him all this money so that the that.'" that Uh, we could clean up the streets. That's what you're trying to do. How is it you and him are on the opposite end of the stick? I said, well, here's the thing. When you were were giving him all that money, were you barking like a mad dog about putting all these horrible criminals away like everybody else was barking about that because that was something that you'd heard on TV the night before or something that scared you to death? And he kind of gave me that knowing look. I said, okay, so you set him out to do that. That's what he's been doing. And... That's not what we're doing. It's contrary to the Lord's purpose, and that's how that goes. He's like, well, we can fix that. I said, oh, really? How is that? He said, this guy is here. We're at a church event. He says, he's here. I go introduce him to you. I was with my boss at the time. I'll introduce you guys to him, and you just tell him what you just told me. And we said, Okay. He brings the state's attorney for who was at that time uh, uh, was the state's attorney of, of, of Cook County over to the two of us. Before he in- introduced us, he had his fin- the dude had his finger out pointed in both of our faces. Says, I know exactly who you are. You testify at these sentencing hearings to make these guys get shorter sentences, and then you talk the judges into giving them a community service, and they serve their community service with you and your organization when we're trying to put them away and know exactly who you are. I'm going to do everything I can to stop you, and I don't care how much money this guy gives me one way or the other. Wow. And walks off. Okay? So... That ended any concern on my part or whether I needed to put something on a sign to get somebody's attention. Yep. You stick up for the poor, somebody's going to notice and somebody's going to have an opinion about it. That's thing number one. Thing number two, I'm going to tell this as quick as I can. It's really about knowing how to apply leverage. If making a sign would apply the leverage to get the job done, I'd be the number one guy waving signs around. If putting something on, on Facebook was the way to get that done, then that'd be a great alternative. As is, is, is Joe was saying, it's about looking at the end result and backtracking how do we actually get that done. We had a situation where uh, we had a guy who was falsely accused of a crime. Another guy uh, came forward and confessed, but because it was sort of an embarrassment the way the, the case had fallen out the uh the the police department kind of covered it up and it was sort of a scandal and it was a whole thing so everybody in the neighborhood knew exactly how this had gone down that the guy that they were pinning it on was a Christian guy he had left the gang life he was living a straight life he was even ministering to his oppos- to his uh, uh, former opponents wow. you know and um so uh, this got out into the world of, you know, the, the larger Chicago community. Everybody's up in protest. I don't know how—I must have met a dozen people who said, I'm going to make a phone call and stop this. You know, it was just that level of, hey, I've got pull in this town. And didn't make a dent. This guy came up uh, for, uh, uh, for trial, was found guilty, was with another guy coming at, yeah. the, at the court case and saying, I did it. Still, this other guy, is found guilty, put away. He's sent downstate. He's sitting there being found guilty. He's got, like uh, at that point, like a five-year sentence, something like that. I think it was seven years with five to serve, something like that. He's sitting there, downstate facility. Well, now his opposite gang had heard about this, And they said, this guy has been trying to get us saved. This guy has been trying to give us a message from God. He put down the guns and he picked up the Bible. That's what he did. So we are going to help him out. So the opposition gang member goes to the warden and tells the warden, this guy is about to kick off a war. This whole place is going to go up. It's going to be madness and chaos. Who knows who's going to lose their job over this? But I tell you what, if you get this guy out of here, if you give him an early release, I promise you I'll squash the other side of that thing, and you'll never have any kind of a ripple in this place. The warden looks at that, throws his hands up, he says, that's the easiest decision I'm going to make all day. The guy's walking out that same week. No riot kicks off. Everybody pats themselves on the back like, we're all geniuses in here. This is- Now, I'm just trying to tell you, I don't know if that's the most Christian way for that to work out. I'm just saying there's only one dude in that scenario that knew what where the right leverage was to make the right thing happen. I think you have to have a bit more street smarts to know what makes a difference and what doesn't.
1: I think you're absolutely right. I think one of the things we're going to look at here, I think you brought up a very uh, important point of kind of fighting injustice, looking at kind of ways to address that. I think that goes to what both Lee and Jed were talking about, about kind of do something. Um, There's some protests on some sides, some issues that are really kind of about going to increase injustice in the long run if they work, but they really make certain white Christians feel better in the moment. Um, A good example of the thing on this whole deal is, is a bit controversial, but go with me, is Planned Parenthood. Now, no matter how you feel about whether or not abortion would be illegal, I just I have a problem with the idea that having signs and yelling at women being the way to get this done. Yeah, there are certain issues that stir up feelings. Yeah, and that's fine. And for some of us, a lot of us, police stuff is that that engages a lot of feeling in us. Now, what do we do about that? Do you just post? If you just post on online, yeah, I don't know. That's not going to get too much done. Obviously, there's a weird way to go where you know, you know, be, try to become Batman and mm-hmm. fix injustice on your own. That's not really going to get it done. No, that's good. Getting stirred up is fine if it's reasonable, but that doesn't accomplish anything. Yeah. Just a bunch of angry people showing up doesn't accomplish anything. To Glenn's point, one of the reasons is that the people in politicians, um, people in charge of your church, whatever, if we were trying to address this thing, know that about 85% of those people are just going to burn off. Yep. Because we all know that person who they're, they're posting about this thing on, this is the worst thing ever on Facebook this week. And then next, next week, this thing is the worst thing ever. And you've only, as to Jed's point of view, apparently all they want is to express rage.
3: And they're doing that.
1: And they're doing that. The problem is the Bible is pretty clear that things that come from a place of rage don't really. The Bible actually says that human anger does not lead to the righteousness God desires right. for us. Mm-hmm. That's kind of in that book so as this all this a lot of this goes back to um, Lee's discernment point you say okay I think I'm, let's with this example I think Planned Parenthood is super I think abortions are wrong okay I think almost pretty much everyone would agree with you what are you going to do about it I'm going to go yell at the place that gives medically safe abortions okay does this plan actually reduce the total number of abortions does it bring healing or anything no now you say what are you going to do about it I'm going to um, help this ministry that speaks that uh, helps unwed teenage mothers find housing. I'm going to be part of this thing that I'm going to go mentor a, yo- a middle school girl before this kicks off thing. Great. Awesome. Right. You've had an effect. You say that's a very small effect, but that can work. That's the little thing that's personal that you can do mm-hmm. has a lot wide reaching effect. Whereas the big thing on the national stage, you know, I don't care how many Facebook posts you get. You're not going to get a Supreme court hearing no. for yourself. So that all kind of leads to this impotent rage. Mm-hmm. What you can do is the one person, the people at church, the, so let's, if you're saying the, get the correct your question, what can I do to be effective? That's not protesting or social media, which is great because neither of those things are really effective. Those are both things that are about you. Yep, They're about how the person posting it feels and putting out, maybe they want, Maybe they want other people to reaffirm how they feel, but it's not anything else. So anything that is more doing and less feeling is great because when you go have you know go to McDonald's and talk to the 13-year-old at-risk youth, there's not going to be a lot of feelings in that. No. It's not a photo op, it's not the same as going to Africa, but that's going to have a very long, wider thing, and you'll be doing something. So do more, say, and for the love of all that is holy Christians on the internet, feel less. That'll mm-hmm. kind of get us where we want to go. Alright, if you have a question for us, say podcast at dot thebridgechicago.tumblr.com We're taking at the song this week. This is comes from some of the stuff we've been talking about. You know, we've been talking about uh, having a relationship with God when we talk about learning to serve your partner and part of ministry we're talking about serving other people as opposed to just yelling at them this is a pool house guru track based on John 13 14 that says now that I your lord and teacher have washed your feet you must also should wash one another's feet so a lot of stuff we're talking about it's a great song to a great beat from our friend the pool house we take out that thanks for listening just remember we love you God bless you there's nothing you can do about it
2: we say that podcast triple blessing if you end the podcast with God bless you God bless you wow <laughs>